the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code CFBX on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the GameTime app and use promo code CFBX. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times your money in one game. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday afternoon, September 24th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the semifinals of Shangdu and Zuhai. So we're going to preview those four matches. Looking forward to those. But before we get into any of that, do want to recap how we did in the last episode, both for outrights and for our lock and dog picks. I'll also mention a brief rant, which shouldn't take that long. And then we'll get into the actual previews for the matches. Starting off with the recap of the picks, we're going to go with the lock and dog first, then go through the outright. So for the lock and dog, gave it a bonus pick, actually. We had two dogs. And overall, we did well. We won the lock. We had Echeverry to win in straight sets against Seville at like minus 144. That got there. Uh, Echeverry was up a break pretty early on in both sets, and he ended up coasting. So nice winner for us. For the dog that we did win, we had Bolt on the money line at plus 190 against Schwartzman. I can't believe Schwartzman was minus 200 plus on a hard court in September. He's been terrible all year. You've heard me mention it all the time. I'm a broken record when it comes to it, but we've made a lot of money fading Schwartzman, especially at at a solid plus money prices fading him. And Bolt at plus 190 was an insane price. Bolt was up a set and a break, and Schwartzman got injured and ended up retiring. So apologies if you ended up using a book that voided it. That sucks. But the book that we used... The book that we always use for money lines ended up uh, cashing it. So once again, most books nowadays tend to automatically grade money line bets as winners if one full set is complete. And there was one full set complete in that case. But some books still void from injuries. Keep an eye out for those. But for the sake of our bet, we ended up winning. So that worked out well. However, we did have a very bad beat for the other dog. We had Purcell and Thompson over two and a half sets. Purcell had four set points in the second set after losing the first set. So four match points for us. And unfortunately, Purcell had two of those on his serve and two of those returning Thompson's serve. And he blew all four as Thompson eventually won the breaker. So heartbreaker there. We should have swept the board with all three plays, but Purcell choked. And as a result, we had to settle for a two and one day. Once again, not going to complain too bad, too much though, because we cashed a plus 190 dog, which is a nice way back post US Open. So can't complain too much, but I did wish we got that sweep. Either way, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the lock and dog picks. And now for the actual uh, picks from the outright side. We're going to look at the quarters. And overall, we had a pretty decent week with the quarters. Unfortunately, no long shots. We had a couple of opportunities, but our guys fell short. Starting off with uh, the Shane Dew tournament, we ended up getting the uh, 
first uh, semifinal was right with Safuan, who we thought would end up making a decent run. He was actually not a favorite in that section. I believe it was Evans, and we ended up picking Safuan at around 2-1. to one. He's against Musetti. Uh, Musetti, we did not have, but we did have Zverev and Dimitrov, so ended up getting three out of four right for the quarters. Dimitrov was the only guy we took in that quarter because his draw was great, and I think Zverev was the same way. I believe we only had those two guys at around minus 110, minus 115. Uh, Might have been a bit juicier for Zverev, but it still got there. So once again, three and one on the on the semifinals there. And for Zuhai, unfortunately, we only went one for four. So we went one and three in our semifinal picks there. But uh, Kashanov ended up getting there. Good for him, but it was a bad beat for us. We had McDonald to win the quarter, who was up a set and a break against Kashanov in the quarterfinals and then fell apart and lost in three. So McDonald was right there, and he fell short. Would have been a nice plus-money win there, but unfortunately had to settle for just Korda. Korda we had with Echeverry, and they faced off in the quarterfinals. Once again, that was the matchup I expected, so that's why I took both guys, hoping that uh, Echeverry would maybe be live, and he was not. Korda buried him. I can't say that I'm shocked because Echeverry is still not a good hardcore player, but it was such a weak quarter that I expected Korda and Echeverry to just walk into the the quarterfinals, which is what happened. But Korda got it done, and I believe he was minus 140, minus 145. Then for the other matches, you had Nishioka, who beat Struff, and you had Karatsev beating Nori. Karatsev is the annoying one because we had the exact right angle, but we picked the wrong guy, and it was a pretty rough beat because we had Arnaldi to win the quarter at around 7-1, to one, and Arnaldi was up a set and a break on two separate occasions against Karatsev in the first round. He was up 4-3 with a break and 5-4 with a break, so he was serving for the match and then proceeded to fall apart. And then you ended up seeing Karatsev, I don't want to say steal Arnaldi's path, because maybe Murray would have beaten Arnaldi, but Karatsev ended up beating Arnaldi, then he beat Murray, and then he beat Nori. The point is, you saw Karatsev have a Cinderella story path to the semis, and we had the same prediction for Arnaldi. So we were right about our initial assessment of picking a long shot, we just picked the wrong guy, and I hate it when that happens. But still, point it should be fun. We have four matches that we're going to preview taking place early Monday morning, so we'll get into those. But before we get into any of those matches, do you want to get into my brief rant or discussion? And it's actually going to involve an event that's technically an exhibition, but technically not. It is the Labor Cup, and I'm going to talk about the overall purpose and a bit of drama that happened over the last couple days. So the Labor Cup is basically the tennis's version of the Ryder Cup, where you try to take... Uh, Team Europe and either Team USA or Team World and organize some type of competitive uh, competition for about a week or a weekend. And the only way to divide up teams is geography, just based on the location of the player and who they represent or what country they represent. So you have Team Europe against Team World and Team World has been dominating. That really doesn't matter for the sake of this. Uh, Team World has been looking very, very sharp. Now, the Labor Cup was a pretty big moment or big event for the last couple of years, not because it meant anything in terms of ranking, etc., but because you ended up seeing Federer there and Nadal there and Djokovic there, and you had a lot of good opportunities for the young guys to kind of mesh 
with the older guys as a bonding a bonding experience, I guess, which is why people liked it. Last year had very good viewership because it was Federer's last event, and he was in doubles with Nadal and eventually lost to Sock and Tiafo in his final career match. But the point is there was some type of added overall juice to the event because you had one of the final events that Federer was ever going to be in. You had Nadal, Djokovic. You had all the main guys, the big three, or if you want to include the big four with Murray, you had a nice moment where all of them, even past some of their primes, were able to get together in a relaxed setting and try to grow the sport by mentoring the younger guys. And you had Federer and Nadal coaching some of the younger guys in some of their matches, which was pretty cool. The problem is it's still an exhibition event, and you could argue that after the U.S. Open, it really doesn't mean much because nobody really cares. So to go through the actual roster just briefly, and who's missing. There's really no juice to it because Djokovic is not there. Murray would rather be in China than be there because Murray ended up losing to Karatsev, but he chose to skip the Lever Cup to play competitively. Nadal's not there because he's injured. Federer is there, but he's kind of like coaching on the side, so that really doesn't mean much. But the point is you're looking at the likes of Shelton and Tiafo and Tommy Paul and Rude, and I get it. It's like a decent overall field, but I don't think people are going to go out of their way to watch exhibition tennis when you don't have any of the big three or big four there. If you don't even throw in Warenka, who you can, Warenka wasn't there either. So the overall rosters are not overly impressive, which is why I'm assuming the ratings this year are not very good. But it's going to segue me into the drama that happened in a singles match between Felix and Munfi. Now, Munfi, we know, is a showman. And he's been involved in a couple of tennis tours, not just the ATP this year. He's trying to play a lot, and he's also not opposed to having fun. We saw him breakdancing in a match against Rublev a couple of, uh, I think, a week ago. I don't think that was an ATP event, though. I believe that was a separate tennis tour or organization. But he's having fun, and we know that Monfi is one of the best showmen in tennis. But Felix had a very bad year, and I've roasted Felix a lot on the show. The point is Felix showed up to the event, and he was playing to win. So Felix showed up. And he was not exactly thrilled with the effort level that Munfi was showing as Munfi was kind of goofing around trying to make it a spectacle for the fans. And Felix started yelling at him in French and started saying, what are you doing? What effort is this? Try. What are you doing? And then started yelling at the chair umpire to basically get Munfi to try harder. Now, you can argue that once again, it could go either way. On one hand, the Labor Cup is a weird event that's an exhibition that people are supposed to take seriously because of geographical battles. Like, like it, Once again, I don't care if Team World wins or Team Europe wins, so the whole geography edge here doesn't really matter to me. And I think, once again, it is an exhibition event, so I don't really care how much these players take it seriously because I'm not watching this event. I think it's a waste of time. I'd rather watch the actual 250s going on in China. But the point is, you're looking at Monfi's argument, which is, I'm older, I don't have many of these left. He kind of hinted at retirement in, uh, I believe it was an interview or a press conference a couple of days ago, saying he wants to spend more time with his family. We know that him and Svitolina have a kid now, so I do expect Monfi to retire after the Olympics next year. I think that'll be Monfi's last event. I don't think he'll play after that, but the point is, Monfi's enjoying his moments. He doesn't have much left. He doesn't have many event, uh, moments left. He also knows he's not going to win an event anytime soon. So he's there for the experience and for the overall atmosphere. Felix, though, has had a bad year and is deciding, you know what? I might as well try to salvage something. 
So I'm going to try in the Labor Cup, and I'm going to try to win to maybe help turn around my year or at least give me some confidence moving forward. So I can understand the differing motivations for both players. Now, I can understand Felix's argument that the fans paid to be there, so you want to give them a good show, and giving them a half-assed effort exhibition match is not what they signed up for. So I can understand Felix's angle. However, I hate the way Felix handled it. Felix walked over to Munfi like he was trying to fight him, got into his face, started yelling at him, and then got the chair umpire involved. I thought it was a very, very just poor way of handling the situation because you make Munfi look like an asshole. And I feel like there could have been a much more polite way of doing it. I think he should have went up to Munfi, maybe whispered to him saying, come on, give me a little bit more effort. But yelling across the court at the guy you're playing against in an exhibition tournament is a very bad look. So for me, when it comes to who I'm leaning with, I do think I'm leaning more in the angle of Monfi because I think Felix handled it terribly. Felix completely ruined the fun atmosphere that the Labor Cup possesses because he decided to just start verbally just digging into Monfi, and I thought that was extremely uncalled for. So I understand the argument or the point behind what Felix was trying to say, but I hated the overall method that he used, which is why I kind of side with Monfi here, because Monfi was visibly annoyed by what Felix was doing, and I understand it. You're a grown man. You've been around for a lot longer than Felix has, and it's not even just a respect your elders thing, but it's an exhibition. Nobody had to show up for this event. Monfi chose to, and now he's getting berated by another guy. Like I just thought it was a very weird look for Felix. I get it. I get his intentions, but I think he handled it pretty poorly. But anyway, that's going to do it for my brief overall discussion on the Labor Cup. Now it's time to get into the matches for Monday's card. So starting off with, we're going to go start off with Shane Du here. You have Safulin taking on Musetti. Now, both guys have been good so far in this event. Musetti was an upset alert, though, against a relative unknown in the previous round before the quarterfinals, as Musetti ended up having a war against Sekulic, where neither guy could hold serve. It ended up going to three sets, but Sekulic wasted all his energy winning the breaker in the second set that Musetti bageled him in the third set. Then he beat Rindrich, uh 6-3, 6-3 in the quarterfinals. As for Safulin, who's he's been really good. So he beat Nakashima before we ended up recording the first episode of the tournament, and we liked his current form. Then we picked him to win the event, and he's still alive. So we are in pretty good shape here. We have two of the four uh, guys left to win the tournament. Zverev was the cheap option, but we kind of had to pick him because he's the best player here by far. But the point is, Safulin, since we picked him, has played one and a half matches. He ended up beating Dan Evans very comfortably, 6-3, 6-3, then beat Thompson 7-6, and then Thompson retired because of injury. So Safulin, I think, is in better form. But to go through the odds here, Musetti is a slight favorite of around minus 112 on the money line. Safulin is minus 108. As for the total, the over-under is at 22.5. For the alternative totals, 21.5. The over is minus 160. Under is plus 130. 23.5. Over is plus 110. Under is minus 140. Match to go three sets is plus 130. For Safulin to win in straight sets, you can find that at plus 220. Musetti to win in straight sets is plus 220 as well. So to go through the head-to-head for these players, you have one match 
It was in Italy back in 2019, and Safoul won one in straight sets. Does it mean anything? Not really. It was four years ago. It was in Musetti's home country, so you can argue that maybe that does mean something because Safoul was able to overcome a hostile environment in order to beat this guy. Simply put, I think I think uh, Musetti should be an underdog in this spot. I think Safoulins look sharper, and I do think that when you're looking at Safoulins' form, I know Musetti had an easy go of it against Rinderknecht, but only playing one set in the last round is a pretty nice advantage for Safoulin, who's been in good form, and he could exert less energy than needed in order to beat Thompson. Because when you see the first set go to a tiebreaker, you're assuming you're in line for what could be a marathon match, and it wasn't. The marathon got cut short. So I do think Musetti is in a bit of trouble here. I still don't think he's a great hardcore player. He's fine, but Musetti is really not a good server, and I do think that Safoulin is fine at serving, but I think he's better than Musetti. So I do I do expect to see Safoulin hold a bit more frequently in this match. I like him to win. I think there's actually value on Safoulin straight sets of plus 220. I like the odds on that, but I do think looking at the actual price here, Safoulin should be a bigger favorite. I think he's the better hardcore player. He's more comfortable on hardcore than Musetti is. No offense to Musetti, but we all know he's mostly a clay guy who can sprinkle on grass and hardcore, but mostly clay. So Fulin is mostly a hardcore guy who also dabbles with grass. But the point is, I am going to go with Safoulin on the money line. I think he's the better player here. He's in better form. Give me Safoulin money line in this spot. Moving on to the next matchup, you have Zverev taking on Dimitrov. Zverev is minus 165 on the money line. Dimitrov's plus 145. Zverev spread, minus 2.5 is even money. Dimitrov plus 2.5 is minus 120. For the over-under, it's at 23. Under's minus 115. Over's minus 105. You can get some alt lines, though. 22.5, the over's minus 130. Under is even money. And as for these uh, set spreads here, you can get... Uh, Zverev minus one and a half sets at plus 155. Dimitrov minus one and a half sets at plus 300. Match to go to three sets is a plus 135. Now, this match might feel like a bit of deja vu because we just saw this match a couple weeks ago in the U.S. Open. They faced off and Dimitrov looked very good for the first set and change. And then Dimitrov fell apart. So I do think Dimitrov will look pretty sharp here. But Zverev is six and one lifetime. And I think because of that, these lines feel a bit off. Now, Zverev did win in the U.S. Open. I mentioned a second ago. Lost the first set in a tiebreaker. Won the second set, 10-8 in the breaker. And then buried Dimitrov 6-1-6-1 in the final two sets. But Zverev has looked very good against Dimitrov. And they faced off three times this year. Zverev has dropped one set. And once again, he's been very good. So Dimitrov, I think, is going to lose. Now, he's been very sharp in this event beat Varias in straight sets, and beat O'Connell in straight sets. The point is, Dimitrov should beat those guys, and he did because he had a pretty easy draw. Now, Zverev also had a pretty easy draw, but he struggled because he lost a set to Kotov, and he lost a set to Kikmanovic, which kind of explains why these odds seem a bit short on Zverev. It's because Dimitrov has been on the court for a lot less time than Zverev has, and it does seem like Dimitrov's game has translated better to these courts. So I do understand why Dimitrov is a slight dog, or at least shorter than what he usually is in this spot. But I think I have to take Zverev, because once again, he's 6-1 and one lifetime. At some point, you look at the head-to-head and just go, this guy can't beat this other guy, 
and I think Dimitrov really has a hard time beating Zverev. Now, if he does, would I be shocked? Not as shocked as I would have been in the U.S. Open, but I do think that Zverev will win, and I do think that Dimitrov, even though he has been playing good tennis, once again, he was against a couple of, I don't want to say unknowns, but a couple of guys who are well below the talent level of Zverev. And I do think that Zverev is too consistent, that eventually he'll wear down Dimitrov's backhand. Usually you see the same script in these matches, a lot of long rallies, Dimitrov on forced error. That's usually how it goes. Dimitrov's also not the greatest server, and I know Zverev's second serve has been an issue in years past, but the first serve is very solid, and I do think that Zverev should get the job done. I really don't have much in terms of value plays. I'm going to lean to Zverev money line at minus 165. I thought about the over 12.5 team total, but it's at like minus 135, which I'm really not interested in. Maybe the over in games, or if you want to go for over two and a half sets of plus 135 and hope that Zverev continues his three-set tendencies, sure, I think plus 135 might be worth something. I would lean that way, but I think Zverev's going to win. So give me Zverev money line at minus 165. And moving on to the next tournament in Zuhai, going to look at uh, Kashanov against Korda. And this is a bit of deja vu as well, because this is a rematch of the Australian Open. You might remember they faced off and Kashanov was burying Korda. And then Korda hurt his wrist and had to retire down two sets to nothing and three nothing in the third set. They faced off in Antwerp in 2022 and Korda won. They faced off in Cincinnati in 2022 and Korda won as well. And of course, they had that insane five set marathon in Wimbledon in 2021 where neither guy could hold serve the entire fifth set. But for the sake of this matchup, Kashanov is. A dog here at plus 131. Korda is the favorite at minus 151. The spread is minus 2. Minus 105 to Korda. Plus 115 for Kashanov. Plus 2. But to go through the total, it's over 23. Minus 110 each side. 22.5. Overs minus 135. Unders plus 105. And if you want to go for the sets here, over 2.5 sets is plus 125. Quarter to win in straight sets is minus is a uh, plus one sixty five. I mean, and Kashanov to win in straight sets is plus two seventy five. Now, for the sake of the path of both players, Kashanov has looked good. Now he did struggle early on against Mueller. Uh, sorry, that was a uh, quarter. Apologies. Uh, looking at Kashanov, sorry, just pulling it up. He did struggle early on in his first match as he ended up beating. Bolt, but he had some moments where he was struggling a bit, and then he had a war against McDonald. So overall, Kashanov's been fine, but for the most part, he's been solid. Now to go through Korda, he's been for the most part solid as well. But he had a he had a three set war against Moore, and then he came back and he buried at Chaveri six one six two. I think it makes sense Korda's favored here because Kashanov really has not played much tennis since the French Open. I've mentioned this several times. And even though Kashanov has looked pretty good, I do wonder about fatigue. After a three-set marathon and you haven't played much tennis in general, I wonder if the three-set marathon will cause more of a physical drainage of energy since, once again, he has not played much tennis in the last couple of months. It was two hours and 36 minutes, quarter one, six, one, six, two. I think that, once again, Kashanov is alive to win this match. But I think Korda's probably going to win, if I had to guess. That's why it's a bit tricky. I think I'm going to lean to the over. I can see a marathon match here, where each guy has a moment. We've seen some three-set matches from each guy. Uh, we saw 
Korda go to three sets against Moore. We saw Kashanov go to three sets against McDonald. I do think, once again, with each player being pretty streaky, you are looking at what could be a bit of a marathon match here. Give me the over, 22.5 at minus 135, and I will lean to the over in games uh, as at 23.5 as well at plus 105. But I'll play it safe, and I'll go with the 22.5 at minus 135. I am going to go with the over in sets, though, at plus 125. I like the value there. You can argue that it's a bit of a coin flip match at plus 131 for Kashanov, but I think I'd rather take Kashanov first set and hope that uh, he can potentially catch Korda slipping early on before fatigue sets in. I think Korda probably wins the match, but I would probably have Korda set closer to minus 135 as opposed to minus 151. So you can argue in theory there's value on Kashanov, but I am picking quarter to win. And moving on to the next match, you have Karatsev taking on Nishioka in a bit of a shocker there for the overall semifinal match. Kashanov is uh, once again an underdog of plus 131. Nishioka is an underdog of plus 120. So I do find it a bit weird. All right. I find it a bit weird that Kashanov's a bigger dog in this spot than Nishioka. Uh, just based on Korda's tendency to be a head case. Then again, so is Karatsev. So both money line prices are kind of similar depending on the matches, where Karatsev's minus 140 and Korda is minus 151. So somewhat close, but Karatsev's a favorite of minus 140, and Ishioka's plus 120. As for the over-under, 22.5. The over's minus 116, under's minus 104. Karatsev games minus 1.5 is minus 110, and Nishioka. Plus one and a half is minus 110. Uh, for the over-under for the sets, you can find the over two and a half sets at plus 135. The under is minus 165. Uh, Karatsev to win in straight sets is uh, currently available at, sorry, just pulling it up here, uh, plus 165. And Nishioka to win in straight sets is plus 275. Now looking at the actual path of both players and looking at the head-to-head, uh, you're looking at what should be a pretty fun matchup because you have conflicting styles. Nishioka is 1-0. They faced off on hard court last year in Paris. Nishioka did win 6-3, 6-4. Now, Nishioka has looked very good. He dropped the first set via bagel to a relative unknown in the first round. And since that point, he's been great. Won the next two sets in that match, 6-4, 6-2. Beat Harris, 7-6, 7-6. And beat Struff, 6-4, 7-5. Now, to look at... Uh, Karatsev, he's also been very good. Dropped the first set to Arnaldi. Once again, was down 5-4, down a break in that Arnaldi match. And since that point, he's been great. Uh, won the final two sets, 7-6, 6-2. Beat Murray after dropping the first set and won that one in three. And then beat Nori, 7-6, 7-6. So both guys are in good form. But I do think Nishioka is very, very alive to win this. And I'm actually picking Nishioka to win. I think Nishioka is a bad matchup for Karatsev because Karatsev doesn't know when to take his foot off the gas pedal. And Karatsev constantly tries to slam winners, which will result in a bunch of unforced errors. Nishioka is kind of the opposite, where he loves to keep the ball in play and he loves to force his opponents to hit extra shots, which can result in a lot of unforced errors for Karatsev in this match. I think Nishioka is in great form. I actually might pick him to win the tournament based on current form. Give me Nishioka at plus 120. I think he's going to win. I think Karatsev, once again, is a very solid player with a lot of upside. But matchup-wise, it's not a coincidence 
that Nishioka beat him in straight sets last year on hard court. It's because as good as Karatsev is, there are a lot of waves with his game. And I do think that he's going to have a couple of dips in performance when Nishioka is able to keep the ball in play and go brick wall mode. So for me, I'm going to go Nishioka on the money line at plus 120 as my main play in this match. That's going to wrap it up for the actual previews for those four semifinal matchups in Shangdu and Zuhai. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks, but before getting to any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're back with another fun week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw $5 down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers take advantage of two New offers every game day in September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code SGP. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person and it used to be very stressful trying to find the right seats for me. But that changed when I found the Game Time app because they are the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and theaters near you. For me, I do think my favorite part about the actual app is the images of seat views feature, which lets me look at the exact view that I would be getting if I purchase a specific ticket. It used to be an issue for me in the past where I would get a seat that I thought was going to have a great view and it turned out to be obstructed or something right in front of me and I paid money for seats that were kind of useless because I couldn't actually see the action I was paying to see. That's no longer the case though with the Game Time app. They also have the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. So they do have a lot of great deals to help you save some money. Game Time is also the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So you actually make money if that ends up happening. Sad tickets without the stress. With Game Time, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account or redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. You win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going 5 for 5 with your picks. It's a fantasy game, but you can win real money. And there's also a great promo going on with Underdog Fantasy. $100,000 Sundays continue with the platform total of $2 million in prizes all season long. $100,000 in prizes this week. $10,000 to 10 people this week. New sweepstakes every week of the NFL season. This week's higher or lower special deal is Tyree Kill receiving yards at 91.5. Higher or lower, even if you guess wrong. You are still entered into the random drawing with a shot to win $10,000 in cash. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN.
We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every football, basketball, baseball, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Chengdu and Zuhai. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to the Musetti and Safulan match. Give me Safulan money line at minus 108. I think the wrong guy's favorite here. I think Safulan is the better hardcore player. I think he's in better form. And I do think he's the better server. And Musetti is really not a good server at all. So I do think that Safulan should be able to generate more opportunities to break throughout this match. But I think that Safulan, once again, is a guy who is a much more comfortable player on a hardcore compared to Musetti. There's a reason why we pick Safulan to win this event. It's because we like the current form. We like how he's played. He's also... A bit more rested because he only had to play one set in the semi in the quarterfinal against Thompson, which should help him out moving forward. But give me Safulan on the money line at minus 108. And for the dog, I am going to go to the last match, which I mentioned in Zuhai. Give me Nishioka on the money line at plus 120. Simply put, I like his form. I think he's been very solid here since dropping that first set in the opening match here. And Karatsev has been in great form as well. But I have to at least point out that stylistically, Nishioka is a pretty bad matchup for Karatsev because Karatsev is so willing to go down swinging that the unforced error count gets so high against guys that keep the ball in play. And I do think that Karatsev, who even though he's won all these matches in this event, has had a bunch of uh, ups and downs. He had a couple of dips in the Murray match where his form is a little bit off at times and the unforced errors really, really show up in bunches. I think Nishioka is going to be too consistent. I think that he's going to keep the ball in play, force Karatsev to actually hit the ball past him, which he's capable of doing. So there might be some moments where Karatsev is successful. But I think in the grand scheme of things, Nishioka will be able to wear down Karatsev more often than not. And I think as a result, he should be able to get the job done. But I think plus 120 is a very good deal. I think Nishioka should arguably be favored in this match since he won the head-to-head in the previous meeting on hard court. But I think when you're looking at the, the odds that I would personally set, I'd probably have Nishioka at minus 115 if I had to set it myself. So give me the value at plus 120 as I think Nishioka gets the job done. So once again, the lock and all picks of the show, the lock's going to be on Safulan on the money line at minus 108 against Musetti. And the dog will be Nishioka money line at plus 120 against Karatsev. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on the... Uh, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of other podcasts with the network, the NBA show, WNBA show. You have the NFL show, MLB show. I get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.